0: So Money, Episode 670, The Best of 2017, Defying Fear and Embracing Failure.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a
2: richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: It is the moment you've all been waiting for. Well, maybe not, but hopefully this gets you excited. Guys, I'm launching a money course in partnership with the very smart people at investopedia.com. I'm launching a major soup to nuts money course that's targeted at young professionals who want to make the most of their money. So do you want to squash those student loans, catch up on savings, earn more money? maybe buy a house or just negotiate a better lease on your rental. My nine module money course arrives early January. To be the first to register for the course and receive a special So Money discount, go to somoneycourse.com. Or if you don't want to leave your cell phone right now, just text me. Text So Money Course, that's one word, to 44222. That's So Money Course, one word, to 44222. Hope to see you. Welcome back to So Money, everyone, December 27th, 2017. We're exploring fear and failure on the show today. It's not my intention to end the year on a sour note, (laughs) but we're going to review instead all the badass, wonderful insights our guests have shared on how they fought their fears and how failure actually allowed them to become the strong, successful people that they are today. You know, our financial fears come up quite a bit on the show as guests talk about their fears of losing money, going into debt, not having enough. And of course, failure is something we have hopefully learned to embrace as countless guests have credited their achievements to failing hard at least once. Akshay Nanavati was a guest on episode 595. He is the best-selling author of the book, Fearvana. This is a person who overcame drug addiction, alcoholism, and PTSD from fighting the war in Iraq. Akshay has combined his life experiences with years of research in science and spirituality, and that has all led him to this book. And in this excerpt, he shares the purpose of Nirvana and how he's trying to change the way we think and manage fear. Is that what Nirvana really is about, is harnessing those demons and putting them to work in, in a positive way?
2: Yeah, it, very much so because, you know, this the word fear itself, it's not a positive word. When people say the word, they don't think of it as a quote-unquote positive emotion. And I think that was that's a mistake. I mean throughout my experiences in life, everything worthy has been terrifying at first, including writing a book on fear, which was absolutely terrifying. So uh, so fear, the idea of fear of honest, to help people reframe these negative, so-called negative emotions and channel them into something meaningful. So I actually define the word itself as a state of bliss that results from Engaging our fears to pursue our own worthy struggle, and I think we all have that worthy struggle for us. It can be, you know, raising a child, running a marathon, playing chess, making movies, whatever it may be. Pursuing that worthy struggle, taking on the fears that inevitably show up on that journey, and really harnessing them. You know, like Sir Richard Branson says, that fear is fuel, and it's, an, it's mm-hmm. important not to fear fear.
0: I always say too with your finances, flirt with the fear. You know, Imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have money, if you didn't have savings, if you did lose your job without a safety net. And actually imagine the reality of that predicament. And sometimes that is enough to shake people up, wake them up and get them to do the right thing. Start taking the right steps to avoid that potential life ever happening. And you know who wrote the foreword to Firvana? The Dalai Lama. If you want to find out how that came about, you'll have to go back and listen. That was episode 595. All right, our next guest has been on the show multiple times. I think at least three, which is a record. He is a dear friend, he's a best-selling author and entrepreneur. James Altucher. He joined me most recently on episode 597. And in this excerpt, he talks about the importance of failing. James has famously written about how he has failed over a thousand times. And today he's one of the most accomplished writers and entrepreneurs pretty much on the planet. So let's listen to James talk about combating the fear of change and pivoting to something new. You I had, pivoted a lot, and yeah. I want to ask you about that because right now I think a lot of people are having like an ex- existential crisis about what they're doing with their lives. I get a lot of questions from listeners who are working at a desk job. They want to be out there in a bigger way. They don't know how to do it. They don't know how to make transitions. I think trans- the transition is always really hard because it usually means giving up something. It means adjusting. It means it usually
1: means that a leap it doesn't of faith. necessarily mean that. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. So how do you? Get the confidence, but also plan of action to make pivots. Like when you go, I don't want to be a computer science geek anymore. I want to do, I want to write. Is it a personality thing? You just have to be willing to know that if I'm going to fail and it'll, and I'll still be okay.
1: Yeah, you're going to fail. And failing is a, a hard word. Like I, 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 failing sucks. Like nobody wants to fail. Failing means... Uh you, you you're a drug addict alcoholic and you lose all your jobs and lost all your money and lost your family and you're you're in the gutter shooting up with a needle. That's
0: but Tony Robbins uh, would say you still you could still win.
1: You could still win even from then. Yes. You could still win. Look, I I've, I've been there and I've still come back from that. But in general, uh, let's let's view the word as experiment. So you're working your desk job and you're saying to yourself, "Oh, I can't do this forever. Am I going to really end my life saying I worked in a cubicle?" For forty years, no. First off, job churn is greater than that now than it's ever been before. So people stay in jobs on average about four years, and really, it's much less for most people. But let's just say you're thinking, about, "What should I do?" Well. There's lots of ways to experiment. So I was at a point where I had no idea what I was going to do. I had failed at a business. I had lost all my money. I was losing my house, but I had to do something. I had two little babies and I had to, I had no job. Nobody was returning my calls because I had lost, you know, they'd all invested in my business and my business failed. I, and I've talked about this before, but I started writing down 10 ideas a day just to improve my creativity. Creativity is a muscle. You have to exercise it. But... I've written about that before. I won't go over that again. The question is, how do you... People say ideas are a dime a dozen. Execution is everything. There's... I'm going to call a little bit of BS on that. You, A ideas, a good idea is hard to have. So you have to really have a strong creativity muscle. Just like working out in the gym, you don't need to have like strong muscles to lift cars, but it's healthy to work out in the gym and, and it's healthy to exercise your creativity muscle. And then when you have a good idea, even a bad idea, you have to know how to execute it. So execution ideas are a subset of ideas. So for instance, I had a bad idea for a business just the other day. I was talking to a friend of mine and he told me, "Oh, um he made up he sort of joked about him and his girlfriend. He said, oh, we're going steady now." And so we just started riffing on a business idea. Let's make a going steady app. So, uh, you know, you download the app, let's say I'm him and you're the girlfriend. You download the app I'll download the Going Steady app. We'll connect to each other. And now we say we're going steady. So now we can share that on Twitter and Facebook, whatever, and to our friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then and then also the Going Steady app deletes all the dating apps on all on our phones. <laughs> and if we ever download a dating app and inform and emails the other person and says, oh, Barnoush just downloaded Tinder. You should know. Got a
0: wandering eye that yeah. James. Or
1: or or if you ever disconnect from me on the Going Steady app, then I get informed by email so we were just talking and then he went off he said this is a great idea we absolutely have to do it so then he goes off to you know his thing I go off to my thing so okay I went off to my thing I spec'd out the idea what each button would look like on a going steady app, what all the functionality was took me about a half hour. I went on freelancer.com. I signed up, I posted a spec, um, uh, 15 people bid on the job from all these different countries. And I started through text boxes, interviewing them. And it turns out, uh, You could do this on Android, this app, but you can't do it on the the iPhone because the iPhone can't and at one app can't see what the other apps on your phone are. There's extra privacy. So so it was a bad idea and I couldn't execute on it. But I wrote to my friend and he who we came with. He said, that's the difference between you and me. I'm a lazy sack of shit. And you actually <laughs> tried to turn this into a business. It took me 45 minutes to, to to vet whether this was a good idea. If I had said yes, I would have spent six hundred bucks and just outsourced two weeks later, the company promised to have the app done upload it to the iTunes store and the Google play store and even begin marketing it. So for just $600 in two weeks, now maybe it would have, they would have, they were uh, over promising. Maybe it would have taken a month. Maybe I would have had to manage a little bit more, but it's relatively easy to get started. You just have to say, okay, let's just take the next step. And, uh, uh, it
0: is a person. It has to be in your DNA because I think that there are people who have a lot of ideas. They have a lot of aspirations. They think their ticket has to be money. Once I make the money, once I get a raise, once I win the lottery, I, all my dreams will come true.
1: But look, there's something where I could have started a whole thing right. for 600 bucks. Maybe it would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have. But for 600 bucks, I'll experiment like that. I'll do one experiment like that per month. So
0: how would you characterize that person who is waiting for the windfall to be able to, to motivate them to do something.
1: I would say they're just wrong. They're just wrong. Yeah, I would say exercise, you're doing muscle. I'll give you another example. I was having lunch with a friend of mine. He... um was in the business of putting ads on YouTube channels. So he worked for a company that did put ads on YouTube channels. And he said, boy, I'd really like to create my own YouTube show. I have this idea of creating YouTube uh, videos of gamers. And I'm like, well, why don't you do it? And he said, well, I have to raise money and buy the equipment and stuff. And I said, well, give me your phone for a second. And he gives me his phone. It's the latest iPhone. And I said, this phone has a better video camera on it than all the video cameras that made all the best movies in history. Like this video camera is better than the video camera that made the Godfather that made Lawrence of Arabia, that made star Wars. Like, why don't you just use the video on this phone and find a good, put an ad in on Craigslist. (laughs) I need some good video gamers. I'm going to take videos of you and start your YouTube channel and just see, it'll take you like an hour or two of time. And you don't give the excuse. You don't have the video equipment. People have, people have exercised their excuse muscle very well, but they don't (laughs) exercise their doing muscle. And by the way, it's just a matter of writing down execution steps, and that exercises the execution muscle.
0: As James always says, creativity is a muscle that you just have to flex. Sure, there's a lot of risk, but if you have an idea, you just have to get over the hurdle of getting started. Our next guest is Sarah LaFleur, whose interview aired on episode 591. She is the founder of MM LaFleur. It's a clothing company for women. And humble brag, I was uh, voted MM Lafleur's most enterprising woman. And it was um, a really generous, generous article about my life and where I got my financial sensibilities. Um, really a special interview. And I encourage you to check out MM Lafleur's all their profiles of, of women. Sarah and I talked about the early days. Of starting her company. And I was surprised. She described the mental challenges and feeling as though she had ruined her resume by quitting her job to start this venture. And of course, now all of those doubts are gone, as MM LaFleur is projected to ring in $75 million in sales. And so this is Sarah on overcoming feeling like a failure. What was the rock bottom moment for for your for your sort of uh, journey as an entrepreneur? I mean, there must have been a time where you were like, this is not working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. Oh, every day. <laughs> I miss the paycheck. I miss yeah. my health benefits. Cobra, I can't even get signed on. I can't get onboarded. What's yeah. going on? Um, take us to that moment and how you worked your way through that.
3: Well, I'll tell you, it was, the first year was quite dark. Um, I think, you know, mental health and entrepreneurship is something that doesn't really get Talked about all that much. I, I think people are starting to talk about it, but that first year, man, it was it was really tough. I I don't consider myself, um, you know, that emotionally vulnerable, and yet that year I probably was crying on a daily basis. Um, things were things never seemed to be going right, and I think I, I felt that I had truly uh, ruined my resume. I had I had worked hard towards something, and. I decided to kind of take this leap and, and do this. And I I just didn't know if I was swimming in the right direction. Um, I like, I say that often starting, starting a company is like, it's like you push off from an Island and you're, you're, you're starting to swim towards this faraway Island. But you look up and you realize it would be so much easier to just swim back from the island you came from rather than to keep swimming. Because frankly, you don't even know where you are relative to that, that island you want to get to. So I just, I had so many moments like that. And that first year when I was um, really off working on my own, I I eventually brought on two co-founders, Miyako and Nuri. Um, Miyako came on about six months uh, later, and then Nare a year later. But uh, gosh, that first year was so isolating, and so that I would say is by far the, the hardest time I've experienced starting this company. Um, the other one is uh, uh, that that comes to mind is when when a round of funding that I thought was going to happen fell through at the last minute, and I was so certain we were going to go bankrupt. Uh, I think I, I could just, you know, I, I was at Bain, so I could, I could do the financial modeling. I mean, you don't even need to do the financial modeling to see that you are, you are losing money uh, that or you're spending money faster than you're making. And I just, I was counting on this round of funding to come through and had gone through maybe four months of negotiations and it, it seemed like all but a done deal, and then, in the very last moment, it fell through and and that was really one of the most crushing moments' because I just thought this thing that I had worked hard on at that point for a bit, for about three three and a half years was was all gonna be for nothing so, so what happened? Why did't the money come through, and then how did you stay afloat uh Why didn't the money come through? I still don't know the real reason you know I think I still remember the call um the the investor called me, and they said um Look, we're you know the 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 main person who was who had to make their decision. They just they just can't get a good feeling in their gut, and so that that was all they said. Um, and and it could have been ten million things. I think often people aren't quite transparent with one you know reason or another why they decide not to invest, and 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 so they they walked away. And I just knew it was done. It wasn't like I couldn't I I wasn't going to be able to get them back to the negotiating table. And what do we do? Actually, what happened around that time uh, was we we did we did a couple of pop-ups. We did our actually our first a very first pop-up in New York, which went incredibly well and almost to all of our surprise. And everyone said, you know, pop-ups are expensive. You don't actually make a lot of money in pop-ups, but we made more money in in those ten days of doing that pop-up than we really ever had. And I think for me because up until that point we had been we had been doing most of our business uh, online to actually see customers try our clothes on in person and and see their smiles and and we had this one customer who had purchased 10 dresses. Um, we never seen uh, a customer purchase so many in one go, but she was like, these dresses are amazing. I'll take them all. Uh, and it just, that was really, that was a confidence building moment that we were doing something different. And so we barely made it to be clear. I think our bank accounts actually were in the negatives at some point. I did not know your bank account could go into the negatives, but you know, Chase, <laughs> Chase, Chase, Chase let you overdraft. I think it was like we were negative 2000. Oh some my point. gosh. Yeah. It was scary times, Um, but, but somehow, we were able to claw our way back from that.
0: A truly inspiring story. Jumping to our next and final guest excerpt on the topic of risk and failure. This is Wendy Sachs. She appeared on episode 574, just as she was coming out with a new book called Fearless and Free, How Appropriate. Her book was actually featured as a title to pick up now from my family at Oh, The Oprah Magazine. And she and I, we began this conversation about failure talking about when you feel stuck in your career and the differences men and women face with failure. Wendy has actually pivoted so much in her own career that she jokes she's constantly pirouetting. And this has made her an expert and a wonderful person to tap to learn more about overcoming fear to get to the next level. Let's listen. In Fearless and Free your new book you specifically tackle what to do when you feel stuck in your career. Do you feel like women feel this way more than men?
4: I do. You know, and I don't I, I hate to sort of put a gender thing on on all of these issues because obviously, you know, I I I don't uh, I don't believe that women have any less ability or any less ambition or any less talent clearly than men but there are some cultural issues that really affect us and that hold us back and one of that is, one of those things that you know this isn't just my my own feelings this is studies really reflect this that women are not as willing to take risks as men are and that lack and that fear of risk taking is one of the issues that can really hold women back, we tend to also overthink our next moves. We can become paralyzed because we're just overthinking. We don't want to fail. We want to be perfect. We've been conditioned to be perfect. And with that, so a cousin to, you know, to uh, risk taking, obviously, is failure. You know, if you take risks, you know, you may fail. And so because of that, because of that wanting to get it right and wanting to be perfect, um, women often just don't take a leap forward unless they, they are convinced that they're going to get it right. And that is sadly what can hold us back. And that is one of the big issues that I talk about.
0: Yet fear and, and fear of risk taking is really just a mindset, right? When you think about the risks potentially of leaving your job, trying a new thing, you might fail. Sure. You may not know how to secure health insurance. Yep. You may not get paid for a few months. Definitely. Uh, but then there's also the risk of staying in the quote unquote comfortable job where the next day you could get laid off. And that's happened to me and several people that I know. And so uh, in your book, you interview a number of women who have pivoted and have fought that fear, have taken on the new challenge despite the quote unquote risks. So what was their mindset around pivoting that allowed them to jump these hurdles and to ultimately succeed?
4: Well, I think that the biggest way to sort of grow that confidence is to take risks. And once you fail and you know you can recover from failure, you're you're more likely to take more chances. So I think really the key to all of this is to putting yourself, you have to put yourself out there, whether it's taking baby steps, but you have to take some action. And so the fastest way that all the studies show that grow this confidence and this ability to take a bet on yourself, basically, is to start just moving forward and knowing that, yeah, if things don't work out, they often don't, right? But that's part of the journey. And out of that comes more confidence and a greater ability to take action. It's all about taking action. You just have to start moving forward and putting that fear aside. And and I use this expression, get comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this isn't a, a Navy, this isn't something I came up with. It's actually, you know, this great term that the Navy SEALs actually embrace because it's very Much, you know, key to their mission. You have to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And as you're saying, it's a mindset. We can all do this for ourselves. We just need to start taking some action and understand that, yeah, it might feel a little uncomfortable for a while. And that's actually a great place to be. That's where the growth is going to happen.
0: Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Awesome advice. This year, you know, I had the privilege of becoming the commencement speaker for my alma mater. Uh, Penn State's Smeal College of Business, go Nittany Lions. And I had similar advice to share to the audience on embracing the moments that make us the most uncomfortable in order to get to a better place. And so I think this is really empowering advice as we set off into the new year. So I wanted to end these recaps with the most empowering advice that I could possibly give back to you. As we head into the new year, I hope that we arrive re-energized, recharged, and ready to take on the world. Remember to go to somoneycourse.com or text somoneycourse to 44222, 44222, and then be among the first to get dibs on my money course and earn a discount. Thanks for tuning in everyone. And I hope your day is so money.